Welcome to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. Here's today's moderator, Rich Brady. Welcome, and thanks for joining us again. I'm Rich Brady, CEO at the American Society of Military Comptrollers and your host on The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. My guest today is Richard Pineda, President and Chief Executive Officer of Caliber Systems. Caliber Systems is an employee stock ownership plan management consulting and digital transformation company supporting government and industry. Established in 1989, Caliber develops and delivers solutions that solve management, technology, and program challenges across a broad range, including information management, facility and land management, finance, logistics and cost management, and training and education. Caliber evolved over the last 30 years through mergers and acquisitions, as well as organic growth, and also changed its ownership structure to support its corporate culture and corporate values. In February, Caliber received national recognition as a 2023 top workplace recipient based solely on employee feedback. We are excited to have Richard on the show today and hear about how he melds corporate strategy with corporate culture to deliver value to his customers. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Rich. Absolutely. Yeah. So as I mentioned in the intro, uh, Caliber was established in 1989. Can you go back to that uh, point? I know you weren't with Caliber at the time, but uh, can you take us back there and talk a little bit about the origins of Caliber and, uh, and what its uh, business was at, uh, when it was established? Sure, Rich. And uh, I would tell you, Caliber has a rich history of consulting in the financial management arena. And so it's apropos that from here, you having me from ASMC, certainly much appreciated. Uh, Caliber, as you had said, was founded and established in 1989. And the Genesis contract that started uh, Caliber was a project called OSMIS, O-S-M-I-S. And it's for the Army uh, Financial Management and Comptroller uh, side of the house, where we help manage the planning, programming, budget, execution, uh, PPBE, right. uh, for the financial folks, right, uh, on how to help manage their budget. Uh, we took them through those years as a contract we still have today from a mainframe support the data center, and now migrating them out to a cloud environment. Wow, so does that contract still exist today? That's it still does. Oh, wow. We still, have this, we still have a core group of folks providing support to the U.S. Army on that same project. Well, that's great. Now, clearly you've grown since that time. You don't just have that one contract uh, uh, that you're working on. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about the growth over the last 30 years? Yeah, 100%. So uh, as you had mentioned, it was a uh, you know, company originally founded by two individuals. And through the years, we've grown uh, in both sustaining the base, winning recompetes, leveraging for organic growth, new growth, contract acquisition, and mergers and acquisition. But in reality, you know, of the two founders in 1989, after it started in 1994, one of them wanted out, hmm. wanted to retire, wanted to move on. And this notion of starting up an ESOP, an employee stock owned program, uh, started about. And so in 1994, the ESOP started. And by 1998, the company was majority owned by the ESOP. And so that not only funded the business and gave it back to the employees, uh, we went through from period of 1998 to 2018, a series of acquisitions in the healthcare space, Intel space, cyber, information technology, strategic communications, everything that you've talked about from a management consulting and digital transformation era, those acquisitions were done. And we're now on a technology roadmap to elevate our company from a traditional management consulting, small business, mid-sized business. Now, I believe the categorization is an emerging large, right? You're, you're not small, you're not large, but in this emerging large category. And what we're taking is this technology roadmap and basically innovating and infusing 
new ways of IT, whether it be cyber, identity proofing, data analytics, predictive analytics, DevSecOps, Agile, into the old financial management and uh, training and education side of the house to help our clients become more efficient, effective, and secure. Yeah, all those areas that uh, your federal customers probably want to go with the data analytics, data visualizations, decision That's support, right. uh, that whole area. Going back to the uh, employee stock ownership plan, uh, can, you, can you talk a little bit more about the, I think that's unique in this, uh, in this space. Uh, can you talk about uh, that from a technical standpoint, what that means exactly for the employees and, and how that uh, gives you a competitive advantage, uh, how that's uh, enabled uh, the growth over the last uh, 20, 30 years? Uh, for sure, you know, at, uh, at Calibre we have a culture that's client focused and client first, right? But then client first also has, you know, people business. You must have a sticky factor to the pride and day-to-day uh, -day thinking of an employee. And as an employee, we have a motto uh, too. Our success follows yours, A. But B, we want to operate, think, and act like owners, not renters, okay? So we've all rented cars, right? you know? <laughs> you don't take it to the car wash and maintain it and do all the things. In fact, you don't even worry about where you park it, right? Uh, but similar to owners, being an owner of a company, the decisions you make, the plans you make, not, <clears throat> don't just feed uh, shareholders on the, in Wall Street or feed private equity. It feeds 100% the employee owners of the company to grow the enterprise value of the company and to uh, accumulate wealth for all our shareholders, which are 100% employees. Yeah, so you, you know, from a management perspective then, or a fiduciary perspective, you've got a responsibility to the employees as the primary sh shareholders. Right? That's correct. Our primary shareholders are employees. And uh, yeah, the company in its uh, journey, as we had talked about from 89, 94, 98, and to where we are today, uh, you know, we have a majority ownership of the ESOP, but it, was, it, it is 100% owned by employees. Do you think your customers uh, can sense that differentiation when, uh, when, you, when you go talk to them, when you pitch them? Uh... Certainly, when, when we have dialogue with, um, with potential customers or current customers, uh, the, the aperture is a bit different in that you know, the individual sitting across from them is an employee owner. And uh, you know, whether it be one share or a multitude of shares, you, you have the right title to bear, I own the company. Right. Right? And the actions that I take, the decisions that I make, uh, impact either the bottom line or the enterprise value of the company. And so it's a model that's worked fairly well. In fact, there's a lot more ESOP in the commercial space than in the federal government contracting space, but I know there's a handful of us that are ESOPs in the, in the GovCon industry. Would you say it's a competitive advantage for you? From a, from a standpoint of the sticky factor between an employee relationship and an employer, absolutely. Yeah. So what, uh, you know, based on where, where you're at today, uh, what's your growth strategy going forward? Uh, what areas do you see emerging as uh, possible business opportunities for you? Yeah, so, so first off, we're going to remain true to our market space. Our market space today, uh, we have about 72% DOD and uh, 30, 30, 32% plus percent, um, uh, 30% 30 federal civilian. And so we want to remain true to that portfolio base. And out of that 70% in DOD, almost all Army. Yeah. Okay, and so we want to double down where, where our capabilities are needed. As I mentioned, we're investing heavily in a technology roadmap. Uh, one, for differentiation. Uh, two, uh, the customers demand it. Right. Right, the customers demand innovative technology, technological modernization solutions. And so, uh, if we don't have that in our repertoire, we will not grow. Do you see growth uh, in the next few years coming from organic growth, or are you pursuing mergers and acquisitions as well? Yeah, so it's uh, interesting. We have what we call, and I invite you to go to our website, Strategy 2025, where we are outright uh, 
you know, confirming our, affirming our vision, our purpose, our corporate objectives that you talked about, you know, uh, some of our first principles, always tell the truth, do a great job and renew yourself, right? If you and I look today at the top 100 federal prime contractors, they're, they're not on the list because they remain stagnant. They renewed themselves. And so from our perspective, uh, not only do we work on the key technology, key offerings uh, is, is always to be innovative and provide new technological advancements. But we want to ensure that we retain our base. Uh, we win our recompetes because you can't grow or try to buy if you're not holding on to your base. Right. Right. And so um, we had we had a fortunate pleasure and proud moment last year of winning back 97% of our work, which is way above industry standard, in my opinion, uh, with regard to competitiveness and recompetes. And so that's first and foremost. And then we tag our operational folks to grow organically, okay? Existing contracts, what can we do more? How can we penetrate more wallet share? Uh, tangential growth from maybe the same customer but a different competency area of what we're currently delivering today. Uh, and then it's tangential customers right. doing the same thing, right? Maybe the Army uh, is doing well in doing that. The Navy has the same function. What can we leverage off best practices to provide that? Uh, then you talk about organic, uh, outside of organic growth is new contract acquisition growth. Right. You know, having the best in class IDIQs, performing the whole scoping, proposing, and closing. So we have a dynamic uh, BD capture and proposal team that we've set up during my tenure uh, in the last few years since I came on board to Caliber to truly be a proposal engine and to scaled growth. And then, as you mentioned in the last bit, uh, it's in everybody's growth playbook mergers and acquisitions, right. is to look at specific companies that can either provide a creative value or a synergy to be able to drive double down growth where one plus one could equal three. And that could be through their customer access, contract vehicle access through the best in class contract that we may not have, and or a competency set with past performance that can supplement our, our existing base today to be able to go to market. It sounds like you've got a very multifaceted uh, strategy when it comes to growth. Uh, the organic, you know, maintaining what you've got, uh, organic growth, looking at yours, and the merger. It's all part of your overall business strategy. Yes, it is. Right. You're listening to The Business of Defense with our guest, Richard Pineda from Caliber Systems. We'll be right back. The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and who understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Welcome back to The Business of Defense sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. I'm talking with Richard Pineda, President and Chief Executive Officer of Caliber Systems, an employee stock ownership plan company with offices in Virginia, Alabama, and California, and operating in 36 states and six countries. Caliber's business values are rooted in their first principles, to operate ethically, achieve superior quality, and renew the organization. Richard, I understand that uh, you recently came uh, the last few years to Caliber Systems. You're somewhat of a serial entrepreneur yourself. Uh, can you talk about uh, your path to, to Caliber and what led you to, uh, to be the president and CEO of this company? Yeah, sure, Rich. Thank you. Uh, great question. You know, it's a question you often get when CEOs say, what, how'd you get there? Right. You know, I, I would say, though, that um, my fun times peaked in the late 90s, early 2000s <laughs> when, when I was a financial management analyst doing management consulting work in Crystal City. And um, 
I got involved with this organization called ASMC. The American Society of Military Comptrollers, my first, one of my first TDY trips was a PDI in San Antonio. <laughs> um, then got a leadership position in the Washington chapter, um, impacting financial management. And just when um, I think the CDFM was just coming into right. play during that time under General McCall's leadership. Absolutely. And so I was in the position that Deb Delmar holds now. She's a great friend in the industry. And so, you know, the road to get to Caliber, yes, was through a number of mergers and acquisitions, but it had to first start with being deep rooted in a specific industry. And not only in GovCon, but specifically in a competency area. And that was in financial management. Uh, first project I worked on was doing cost benefit analyses for PA&E uh, and doing work there. And then naturally progressing through different executive management roles in companies. Um, I have gotten to Caliber through a series of acquisitions, uh, doing time at either uh, publicly traded Fortune 50 companies, all the way to founding my own company in 2012, which later on was sold to Caliber in 2018, where in 2019 I became the president and CEO of Caliber. Great. Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, ASMC had a, had a little bit of a hand uh, in your professional development uh, and uh, th want to thank you for your longstanding support and commitment to uh, ASMC and Excellence in Defense Financial Management. Um, you know, as you developed over the years and uh, you kind of moved from company to company and uh, you, you ascended to this level, how would you describe your leadership style and, and how does that impact, uh, you know, the values, the culture at uh, Caliber Systems? Sure. So, you know, leadership for me, I've always been a hands-on individual, call it the entrepreneur in me. Uh, whether it be when I was running a multi-billion dollar P&L or a clean white sheet of paper when I started a company from scratch, uh, a leader really needs to lead from the front. And leading doesn't mean cracking the whip like a boss, but being there in the front lines um, along your, your uh, different consultants and employees in the company to either coach along the way, show them how it's done, uh, and or collaborate, communicate, and deliver uh, firsthand. It's uh, even, uh, even at our size, there's no company too large for either the CEO or a C-level individual to uh, coach and deliver. Uh, that's probably a great leadership example, again, for an employee-owned company uh, to see uh, the C-suite right out there in front with them. Right. You know, at Caliber, even on deal pursuits that we have, we have an executive sponsor that we line up, someone from the C-suite or the corporate leadership team, our CLT, to be tagged to a deal from cradle to grave to see it all the way through. Now, uh, we all know that uh, rarely do we get to these positions all by ourselves. Is there any mentors that uh, helped you along the way and maybe some of the advice that those mentors gave you? Yeah, sure, all along the way. I mean, some of the companies we mentioned, um, you know, whether it was the 8A that I was involved in that turned to be a large company that we sold in 2003. Um, Will Souza, he was a, a pioneer in industry in the GovCon space. We sold that company in 2003 to Ross Perot I had the fortunate opportunity to work with a nation's hero, <laughs> uh, not only from a strategic side, but from a truly a business uh, acumen. Uh, the leadership style he had was just absolutely awesome. And we went from Perot, uh, where spending time with them, to Michael Dell uh, in running Dell Federal at one point in time from 2009 to 12 that I was in. And then, you know, in 12, it was pretty much, hey, you're on your own. Uh, there's, there's no major person in the company other than myself and a fellow co-founder uh, that started another company. Uh, but I did keep in touch with certain advisors and individuals in industry, whether it be uh, retired senior executive or pioneers in industry that are entrepreneurs. 
all help along the way. I'm a very big data individual, so the more content and information you have, you can then better decipher on your own to make a decision. Right, right. I know Calibre is doing a lot of work in the area of sustainability. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that uh, from a corporate perspective and what value that provides uh, to the organization? Sure, well, while we're not a manufacturing company, right. you know, there is a certain sense of responsibility because you know, at Calibre, we truly refer to, we're not successful if our clients' missions aren't achieved and are successful. We're not successful if our employees don't grow and thrive. But then we're also not successful if the communities in which we live and work aren't enhanced and improved, right? And so from a number of ways in which we can be more sustainable, whether it be from an economic side of the house or how we grow and how we do things, uh, there has to be a certain consciousness in what we're doing for a sustainable, efficient, effective, you know, operations company. Yeah, I think we've all read that uh, sustainability is important to uh, early careerists, the younger generations. Uh, do you see this giving you an advantage from a talent management perspective? Is it, uh, is it something, you know, when you're talking about potential hires, that uh, you talk about the sustainability pledge? Yes, absolutely. Not only in sustainability, but in DEI. Uh, and in fact, before uh, those two buzzwords came into play, you can look at legacy documentation in caliber that declares our, our mission, our objectives, and how we will track. Right? And so in a certain sense, even other certifications that we put into play now, before it's a buzzword or you have a third party in, it's indoctrinated into our operations process. And so it became an easy task to document right. exactly what, what already we've been doing. Right. Uh, you know, kind of taking off on the topic of talent management, uh, there's a lot of business challenges these days uh, from talent management to supply chain issues. Uh, you know, as we're as we're taping this week, uh, I think the market gave gave back all its gains uh, from from the beginning of the year. A lot of uncertainty out there. Um, uh, recent inflation report that inflation is still running pretty hot, um, and concerns about recession coming up. You know, how does that? Uh, you know, how are you taking all of that into account when you look at the, the business environment uh, that we're getting ready to enter into? Yeah, it goes back to by being an employee owner, uh, an ESOP, and how we run our business. Right, we we don't have. Um, a horizon date with PEs that we need to hit. Uh, while we do have forecasts that we've set forth, we control our own destiny. And we can either throttle down or pull back on the stick, if you will, uh, in certain areas that would, that would align and meet with our goals and objectives. Uh, I, I believe, you know, from <clears throat> 2021 and partially into 22, there was a big run on labor, right? Uh, if you had an internet connection, you had a job. And that was tough for us, you know, especially uh, compounded with a desire to grow our information technology platform, the technology roadmap with these key capabilities that I've talked about. And so we're starting to see the tide turn in that, but we offer as best we can, very competitive market pay and market compensation and benefits. Uh, some of those items, you know, in addition to your base pay, a performance bonus, 401k, we have the ESOP contribution. Right which is something that's not offered by your non-ESOP or your, your competitors. And so that is outright ownership within the company that after years would be vested out for a nice wealth accumulation pad or something that could aid in retirement. Uh, we also went, went in, uh, in 2020 to an unlimited PTO, okay? Uh, unlimited PTO stream. Independent of the cash flow, the expense management and the accounting side challenges of, of calculating that, uh, you. You, in fact, said, you know, one of our key fr first principles is renew yourself. Well, whether it be personally or professionally, we want to give individuals the time to balance a good quality of life, right? To not only excel and exceed in their careers, 
but spend time with their families and doing what they love to do. And so that's been a big difference. Um, I, I'm a little bit of an old school guy because I, I find myself to be that individual. Hey, we need to be in the office. Right. But as a leader, listening to my leadership team, the executive leadership team and the corporate leadership team, says, sir, if we're hitting the metrics and if our client satisfaction, which last year was 100% favorable for our clients uh, declared in a customer service that they would recommend to do business with Caliber, then we don't need you know, to deviate from the plan. I said, we have, we have folks coming in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, and then we're very flexible on Mondays and Fridays right. uh, with where individuals are working. But for the most part, like dress, we tend to just work through what the client wants. And most of our clients are remote. Yeah, I think we all recognize, you know, we're not going back to where we were prior to, you know, three years ago, prior to the COVID pandemic, and we're probably not going to stay in a 100% remote uh, environment right. either. That uh, future of work has some type of a, a, a hybrid mix, uh, and certainly you're helping out with traffic in the D.C. area by <laughs> allowing your employees to stay home on Mondays and Fridays. But uh, I think, uh, you know, for the key collaborative meetings, the creative meetings, it's important to have people together face-to-face -to -face, uh, talking. Uh, but uh, to your point, if you're making the metrics, uh, then you could provide a lot of flexibility. Right. You know, you know, working now is before office used to be the place to go. Right. Right. Now it's a it's a destination and a purpose uh, for meeting. What I do worry about is for our new employees or the younger generation where they don't have the interaction or the coaching and the just there's a lot that you learn from just being in the office. Right. And so we're trying to find a way how we can indoctrinate to make sure they know the culture before they're just being you know, removed and being on, on, on an MS Teams call. Right, uh, no, it's critical. It's uh, onboarding during the COVID pandemic was, was difficult and, and trying to find that balance now that people are, you know, some are hybrid, some are remote and making sure that you maintain that uh, corporate culture. But I think that with that ESOP, uh, you probably again have a competitive advantage that you automatically have buy-in from your employees as, as owners of the company. Yeah, I'd like to think of it, Rich, as first you have a logo, right? The logo will attract based on you know, the respect, the stature, and the reputation an organization has. That gets them the call, right? Then the next piece is when we recruit, what's the package look like? What, how does that appeal relative to competition? And what advancement opportunities that we have? And then it's a retain, reward, and retire. I like the R's, I know you do too, right? <laughs> so, so we like to recruit, retain, reward, and retire. Uh, if we can stay true to those things, um, just like managing a recompete, it starts on day one. Right. When that talent acquisition individual makes contact, we need to be professional, we need to be clear, uh, and we need to tell them, here's your roadmap and where you could go with Caliber. And when, when they start, we have a new employee orientation. That's not a podcast or recorded video message. We have three of our corporate officers, including myself, spend two and a half hours with all new employees. We tell them about the company's background, history, expectations, and the whole nine, everything we do. So that way they can come out of that meeting as an ambassador of the brand. Absolutely, absolutely. Now they have choices, right? <laughs> I'd like to thank today's guest, Richard Pineda, President and Chief Executive Officer of Caliber Systems, for his insights into Caliber's business structure, strategy, competition, and culture, which provides a competitive advantage for Caliber, its employee owners, and their customers. Watch the Business of Defense again next month, where we bring you inside the companies working to drive transformation in the defense sector, to hear directly from their business leaders and understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. I'm Rich Brady, CEO at the American Society of Military Comptrollers, and I thank you again for joining us. You are listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search ASMC.
Thank you for listening to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network.